even though we've known each other since we were 11, we didn't necessarily talk about sex when we were younger. No, I certainly don't remember learning about contraception at school at all. I well, think we I don't think we had sex education. Yeah. Do you know, it's just reminded me of a story of when we were kids, we'd heard someone who knew someone who was having sex in a park and they didn't have a condom, so they used a crisp packet. <laughs> that can't be true. It must be quite painful. Yeah. Especially uh, yeah. those crisp packets you had in the old days, you know. Really? They're really like, crunchy. Mm. You're listening to Let's Talk, a podcast from SH24. I'm Molly Anderson and I'm a GP with a special interest in women's health and contraception. And I'm Laura Smith. With no special. <laughs> no, really, I'm a freelance writer and I'm very interested in sexual health. In this podcast, we want to change the way you think about your contraception. This is something you're taking every day for years of your life. So, what if it doesn't suit you? We're going to go beyond the headlines and the available evidence into the side effects that you might experience and talk about what your options are if something isn't working for you. Okay, hi Molly. Hi Laura. How are you? I I'm very well actually today. Very nice well earrings. Indeed. I know. I'm kind of going with a big a big earring. Just might make me feel a little bit more like a human being. And yeah. less like a tired man. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I when I went to get contraception for the first time when I went to see my GP, I, as far as I can remember, I was offered the pill and I wasn't offered anything else. Do people come in and ask for different things now? You know, do they know about different things? I would say if people things? are coming in and using contraception for the first time, they usually do come in asking for the pill. I think that initial consultation actually is about not getting pregnant. And the pill is the one that you can get started on that day. So often, I guess, is the starter contraception. And, you you know, you need to do their weight and their blood pressure and ask a family history and a medical history. And I don't think at that first appointment, there's a huge amount of space to talk about the hormones and what they're doing to your body and what the side effects might be. And am I right in thinking that most of the side effects that women tend to talk about a lot, like weight gain or skin problems and things like that, are they related more to hormonal contraception? Yes, it, it is about putting hormones into our body and the side effects that they can have. So the hormonal contraceptives would be, for example, the pill. And typically we talk about the mini pill or the progestogen only pill, or the combined oral contraceptive pill, which contains oestrogen and progestogen. You've then got contraceptive patches and rings, and also contraceptive injections and the hormonal coil and the hormone implant. And if they all essentially contain the same hormones, or one or two of the same hormones, how, how come they have potentially different effects? Partly it's to do with how they're being delivered, so whether it's by mouth, into the vagina, through the skin, um, but also you might have a category of progestogen-only contraceptives. Exactly the type of progestogen that's in it is slightly different from one form to another. So could you take one type of pill, say one brand of pill, and then maybe it doesn't work quite right for you and you try a different one and it would have a different effect? Yes, exactly. Probably the most basic of all side effects is an impact in one way or another on your periods, right? So, for example, I took a mini pill for years and years and I just didn't have a period and I never thought about it. And that is really common and expected with, for example, the depot or the implant or the coil or the mini pill. And even with a combined oral contraceptive pill, you can run packs together and um, not have a period. And the first thing I always say to people is that's absolutely fine. It's amazing how many women have this really vivid image in their mind that the blood is building up and building up inside their uterus and they're worried it's all just going to 
flood out one day or it's going to pop or something like an overfilled balloon. <laughs> Actually, the lining of the womb isn't building up, therefore it doesn't need to shed. And for a lot of women, that's a really positive thing. If they're keen on sports or if they've had painful or heavy periods, having no periods can be really liberating. Uh, a lot of people talk about the pill causing weight gain. I mean, I remember as an early memory of what the pill did, it was it gives you spots and it makes you fat. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I never had that personally, but I definitely uh, noticed my boobs got bigger when I was on the, the combined pill. And genuinely, you know, post-children, I've been tempted to go back on the combined pill for exactly that reason, but um, I'd probably forget to take it these days. Um, but yeah, I mean, weight gain is something which people ask about a lot. And the reality is that about a third of women gain weight a third of women lose weight and a third of women stay the same. So, you know, when people come in and say, I've gained weight, is it the pill? I guess my answer is, don't know, could be. Um, and that's hard sometimes because people, I feel, I guess that sometimes people want answers. They want black and white. They want me to, you know, as a doctor, know everything. And I don't, mm. you know, I don't as an individual, but also medicine as a subject doesn't have all the answers and that's one of the things where i guess it's quite hard for the science to be separated from all sorts of other factors that make you gain weight or make you feel differently about your body yeah i mean maybe they've um, got a job which is less active maybe they've given up a hobby also that often people are starting uh, contraception when they're going through puberty so their bodies naturally are changing so who do we believe you know, if we, you know, we really think I've got fatter since I've been using this contraception and the, the health professionals sitting in front of them says, well, well, actually, the evidence doesn't support that. We believe ourselves. You know, I think that's that's what it comes down to is you have enough confidence and faith in your own judgment to say what it does to you. Then, you know, it's really important that you work to find an alternative. So something else that I suppose falls into a similar category is contraception affecting your skin, perhaps in mm -hmm. good ways or bad ways. And both are true. So some people will find that they get more spotty when they're on certain types of contraceptive that don't seem to suit them. Um, and other people will take the contraceptive pill almost as a treatment for acne. You can look at the exact hormones that are in that pill and, and try and juggle it around to find something that suits them. So if you're having that side effect do talk to somebody about it and if one person doesn't take you seriously go and find somebody who does now i have a really good friend who often moans i guess because um she really feels that hormonal contraception has completely destroyed her libido so she's in a long-term relationship she always enjoyed sex but definitely just lost interest in it and she stopped taking the pill for a while maybe it was when she they were trying to get pregnant and she just suddenly wanted to have sex all the time. Like she really noticed it. Yeah. Really noticed the difference. So what's the evidence around that? The scientific evidence doesn't really back it up, um, that, it, that hormonal contraception reduces your libido. That doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, you know? And so that's, again, something which, if somebody has noticed that, you can talk about other options and, and other things they might want to try. But remember that some people's libido might be affected because they have really painful periods for 10 days of every month. So some people's libido increases when they're on contraception because they can have sex whenever they like and their periods 
are short and light or non-existent. So for some people, they probably have way more sex when they're on hormonal contraception. You've got to really um, keep quite an open mind, I think, about what might suit one woman is not always going to be the same for another. So there's a bit of a... A pattern here, it sounds a bit like what we were talking about, weight gain. The evidence is inconclusive. You realise the limits of relying on evidence to give us all the answers because it's not going to. Yeah. My first form of contraception was um, the combined pill. Um, And uh, not long after I'd been taking it, I went back to the doctor because I'd been having a lot of migraines and then I was recommended to change to the mini pill. So is that because of the migraines or do I get the migraines because of the pill? Could be both, in that some people find that um, they do get headaches as a side effect of hormonal contraception. Some people find that they get more headaches at different times of their cycle and on contraception, which is sort of levelling things out, they get less. The important thing is about people who get migraines with aura. Um, And in those people, there is an increased risk of a stroke. That risk is small, but obviously it's catastrophic for a fit, healthy young woman. So they will usually be advised that combined oral contraceptives are not suitable for them. So for each of these podcasts, we're going to do a deep dive into one topic and really look at that topic in detail. And when I was researching the podcast, I was looking online to see what women were discussing around issues around their contraception and the By far and away, the biggest issue was around mental health, anxiety, depression. They were just not themselves. They were feeling really down, sometimes even suicidal. And they're attributing this entirely to their contraception because nothing else in their life had changed. Mm -hmm. And saying, you know, I've, I've talked to my doctor about this and they just tell me there's no link. There just seems to be this big disconnect between the science and the experience i think that's really true and it's hard when we don't have the evidence really to say yes it is no it's not Hmm. so in the name of women everywhere i went on a bit of a mission to find out what's really going on firstly i spoke to joe hi joe it's laura hi how are you she told me about her experience of the pill and how she thinks it had a really bad impact on her mental health Um, I started taking the pill um, probably around my late teens um, after I became sexually active. Um, I do remember from when I was about 18 um, getting quite depressed, feeling really angry all the time, um, just mood swings, uh, not very happy. And um, a couple of doctors put me on different antidepressants, just made everything a lot worse. Um, I came off those quite quickly. And then I met a guy that I had a serious relationship with and we decided to go travelling to New Zealand. Um, And I took two or three boxes of the pill out with me, but we were out there for a year, so it ran out. And I noticed just a remarkable improvement in my health. Um, It was almost as if somebody had turned something off. Uh, My weight sort of stabilised. I started just feeling much happier about everything and my relationship got better because I wasn't so moody, I presume. (laughs) And then we came home. First thing I did was went to the doctor and got a new prescription of the pill. And um, I just noticed everything just went went downhill again. So I stopped taking it again after that month and felt better. So, of course, there are lots of reasons in life why you might get depressed or, or feel down. But it just seems like there's too many women thinking the same thing and noticing the same patterns. Could the medical evidence be wrong? I went to see SH24's clinical director, Paula Baritzer. I'm good, how are you? To see if I could get some answers. There's so many factors at play. Depression is very common and nearly 8% of women suffer from depression at any one 
point of time. And it's also very related to what, what's going on in people's lives. But it's also responsive, we think, to some sort of hormones. And we know that postnatal depression is clearly hormonally related. We know that premenstrual syndrome may cause symptoms of depression. And we know that some people get um, symptoms of depression on different hormonal contraceptives. Our problem is that we have not yet been able to definitively, despite a fair amount of research, unpick the relationship between hormones and depression. There's been a recent review of all of the studies, all of the high quality studies on, on that particular issue. And their conclusion is that there is no convincing evidence of an association. But that is a big overview of what would be hundreds and thousands of individual experiences. It's likely in the end that people's responses to hormonal contraception, just as their responses to any other medication, the way we absorb them, the way we metabolize them, the way we excrete them, the way they interact with our receptors, is probably quite individual. And I think as personalized medicine becomes more and more a thing, we're becoming more and more aware of that. So the ability of these very large studies to predict individual experience of hormonal side effects, I think is limited, but at the moment that's all we have. This is an area I find really interesting and really frustrating because there's millions of women talking about this all the time and it just doesn't seem to get as much attention as it should do. I think that self-monitoring, self-tracking if you like, to try and understand how you personally interact with particular contraceptives is the only solution that makes any sense to me at the moment. And trying to work with women to do that seems like an important thing. Because what else can you do? You've got the research evidence, it's great, it provides a context. And you've got all these individual experiences, but there are other individuals. And you have to make a decision for you that works for you. So it seems like we simply don't have the research data available to give us any conclusive evidence. So how does a doctor go about advising women on this in a 10-minute appointment? I asked Molly how she might approach it. It's a tricky area, really. Um, mental health is complex, it's multifactorial, it's hard to know what the different influences are, but definitely many women find that their mood is affected when they're on the pill. And again, a bit like skin, sometimes that's in a positive way. It can level them out if they get really bad PMT. And for others, it will make them have constant PMT. And sometimes there isn't a perfect fit, is the truth of it. But sometimes there's a best fit. Mm. And if women know what all the options available are, then at least they've got seven other choices they can try. Let's try one of those. So hormonal contraception does work for lots of women, but if you are one of those that does have problems, there are quite a few non-hormonal options. The copper coil, which is a bit like a hormonal coil, except it releases copper instead of progestogen. The diaphragm, condoms, female and male, and the natural family planning method, which involves tracking your fertility and avoiding sex. So let's start with the big one. The copper coil. Mm -hmm. We do hear quite a few horror stories about the copper coil. Um, particularly in terms of bleeding and pain and things like that. Yes, having a coil fitted can be uncomfortable, it can be painful, um, but not always. And very often that discomfort is fairly short-lasting 
and then you might have a, a copper coil which causes you no problems at all and can last for 10 years so that might be a balance that is worth it for somebody if you're still getting pain a week in particularly if the pain is getting worse you must go back and see your doctor it shouldn't be painful long term in terms of the bleeding yes there is some association with heavier or more painful periods and if somebody came to me with very problematic periods I'd be, you know, cautious about suggesting that they had a copper coil. Yeah, I I mean, I have recently had a a coil fitted and, well, firstly, I was very glad that the doctor told me that it came in a very big box. Yes. (laughs) And the coil itself is actually very small. Um, And she showed it to me and explained it to me. And actually, I I had a slight anxiety about whether I think about it all the time that they had this thing inside me. But of course other things take over your life and I I forgot about it very quickly it's a bit like bad experiences of anything they people talk about them more and I would like to say that actually huge numbers of people will get on really really well with a coil and we haven't yet talked about the good old condom which is one of the few forms of contraception that men can actually take control of it's amazing how they are the first kind of contraception that people use and actually they're much harder to use correctly. You know, you're kind of asking a lot more of people to use a condom, right, than you are to take a tablet every day. Yeah, um, and I think that there is, you know, for years, even with a, like a long-term boyfriend, I just never wanted to admit that I didn't really know how to yeah. put a condom on. When I was learning how to do it in order to teach other people, that was mm-hmm. the first time anyone showed me how to do it properly. And I was thinking gosh, I could have done with this, you know, good few years ago. So I guess our advice might be have a look on YouTube, find a video and learn how to do it properly. Definitely. (laughs) Natural family planning is something we haven't talked about. Am I right in saying that you've you've tried that or were you just was that more when you were actually trying to get pregnant? Um, No, I did use it between babies two and three. It was partly because I had a miscarriage, Mm -hmm. um, which was pretty brutal and I did not want I just didn't want to mess with my body at that yeah. point. And how did you find it? Like, did you have the app and did you have to record your temperature and your mucus? And <laughs> Actually, I really enjoyed it because I guess the effects for me were that I got to know my body quite well. Um, I suddenly knew all about my cervical mucus, which was lovely. <laughs> um, but I could have told you very easily which days of the month I was fertile because I became so used to it. But I have to say the recording your basal body temperature so basically recording your temperature before you move in the morning i know before you've even got up for a week especially when you've got kids (laughs) who come and smack you in the face in the morning for you it would not be a great i would be awful (laughs) i would be absolutely awful i could see you like literally every morning getting up getting out of bed and going shit (laughs) done it again (laughs) no i've done it again because i remember when you first decided to get coil fitted because you forgot to take your pill every day yeah you then phoned me and said, I forgot my coil fitting appointment. <laughs> I'm the worst patient ever. I'm a really bad patient. I know. But also, I hate the idea of being dictated to by, oh, you can't have sex today because your app says no. You know, if you've got a busy job or your partner works away or you've got small children or there's so many other things which mean you can't have sex for whatever reason. Mm. But actually, um, I like the freedom of, being able to have sex whenever I like. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. So 
I have to say this has made me think about my own contraception in a different way. I guess feeling like you're, you can be in control of your body and not feeling totally subject to what the medical evidence is telling you. Yeah, I think most of us have had less than ideal consultations about contraception. But actually, this conversation isn't just a medical conversation. It's a life conversation that we, we have with our mothers and our friends and our boyfriends and our husbands. And we talk about what's working for us and what's not working for us. And that actually, if something isn't agreeing with you, you do have a right to go and talk to someone about it because things can be done better. And I think, you know, the the old saying of knowledge is power. There's a lot of really great, reliable information out there. And so a lot of people go to the NHS website, the Family Planning Association, SH24, which has got good stuff. Yeah, and actually talking about SH24, they have an online forum which personalises information about contraception. You can go on there and ask any questions you like. Discussions are curated by a clinician, but if you just want some help from other women, you can ask them too, or share your own experience to help other people. Hopefully, women looking on the website, they do feel like, yeah, I've got all the options. And it's important women know how they can use what's available to them to get the best out of it. And I think that's a lot of the problem is people don't think I get to choose. Until recently, I always thought, I will go and get advised on what to take. But now I think that it's up to me. And, you know, I can say, no, I don't agree with you. And I can try something different. Thanks, Molly. This has been really good fun. Really interesting. I don't think think we've talked about sex enough over the last 20 years. No, let's talk about more. Let's do it more often. I'm sure our partners would love that. Yeah, not so much. (laughs) Let's Talk is a series of podcasts from SH24 to give you the inside information on your sexual and reproductive health. Thanks for listening.